0: This is a Stoppage Time podcast from WEGL 911, giving you the latest on all the big talking points from the Premier League and the Champions League. Welcome back to Stoppage
1: Time. Today, we are in a totally different location. I don't even know what room this is, but I am joined by Chris Basinger, Andy Hewling, and Harrison... Why do I always forget your last name? Schooler. I did know that. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so... I'm gonna go around in a second and ask them all how they're doing, um, but we are in a studio, Andy? The Eagle Eye TV studio. Eagle Eye TV studio uh, due to the fact that we got kicked out of the other studio because there was another show and my car broke down, rest in peace. Um, so first, Andy, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm good. Glad to be in my own studio, which is really nice, but uh, yeah. Doing really, really well after this weekend, too.
1: The standing's really doing us some good. This is a different vibe for us. you know. We're Absolutely. Uh, Chris has had a really tough year. How you doing, Chris?
0: I got Guthrie's yesterday after the game. Uh, this is not a sponsorship, but it did make me feel better. Um, just good to be back doing the podcast, not in the regular studio, but it's definitely good to be here to talk out my feelings.
3: And Harrison? How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Spent the weekend watching a lot of football. Well, we're going to start
1: with your team. We're going to start with Manchester United and Everton. Uh, The game ended 3-3. United was up 2-0 at halftime. Started out with an Edison Cavani goal. Uh, Then Bruno Fernandez scored what Bruno does um, right before halftime. And then Everton started to make some movement. Um, Decore scored the 49th. Thomas scored the 52nd, McTominay scored the 70th, and then uh, DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, scored in the 90th plus five. Uh, really, really, really entertaining game at Old Trafford. Uh, Harrison, we'll
3: start with you due to the fact that you know this is, this is your team. Uh, what did you think of the match? I thought United was confident for 45 minutes, and then started the second half. They just didn't have that same energy and i'll reiterate what ole and basically everybody who's been asked the question has said this is not a title challenging team they've conceded 30 goals that is second in the top 10 of the league only to Leeds. and we all know how Leeds defend this is a leaky defense it's a bunch of players that haven't been in a lot of winning situations and they just lack consistency and and they have to learn to shut up shop and they can't do that right now
1: uh Andy, Manchester United is in second currently in the table. Uh, And I know if City's in first, we'll get to City a little later. But uh, is this the best United team you have seen in five years?
2: I think so. I mean, you know, I think back in the days of Louis van Gaal, it was completely different. I think, you know, they switched off. They looked a little bit lackluster. But I think this team has really found their identity. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has really proven that, he can manage this team. I think there were a lot of doubts uh, early last year that he was not going to make it. You know, I think a lot of people questioned their identity, but I think with Bruno Fernandez, he's been the guy that they've trusted, and they, even adding Ed- Edison Cavani and his Rashford just up in front, I think it's really helped them a lot, and
0: they've made tremendous strides. Now, I think that this team might be composed of the best players that we've seen on United in the last few years, but you got to remember, Jose Mourinho managed to get that team with the, the center back pairing of uh, who Phil Jones and Chris Smalling up to second in the league by the end of that season. That team, he was able to get results out of week in, week out. United still are on track to get as many points as they did last season. And they were getting criticized the entirety of last season. People were chanting Ole out, this and that. Uh, in the first half of this season, he was almost fired, if you were to listen to Twitter, um, multiple times and was only saved by um, getting some, some major results, like in the PSG game. But um, I, I think this team has the potential, but I'm not sure if it's the best team that we've seen in the past five years.
1: Harrison, you, you have backed Ole uh, from the beginning and even last year when you know, Chris and I and even Andy sat in the other room and are, are home. Um, and sat there and, you know, we were all like, is this guy for real? Uh, Chris has always put the wheelie thing at the end where it crashes. Um,
0: I don't have that now that we're in the new place. No, it's
1: okay. My car broke down earlier. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, But so for you, um, what have you seen this season um, that he has changed to, in the weirdest of years that we've had with no fans in the stadium, to get them in second position even without fans in the stadium?
3: The team's playing with more confidence. They have a fight in them that you saw under Jose, and I will say this back to Chris's point. Yes, they finished with 82 points, 20 or something behind City. That wasn't enjoyable. I didn't enjoy seeing that virtually at all. I mean, it was winning, and it was results, and it was nice, but this looks great. It feels good, and it just has to get better at the back. I trust Ole to figure it out. I trust the board to back him for a center back in the summer. And they just need a little more of a vocal presence at the back. They have it at the front with Bruno, but it, it just pays dividends to have a commanding figure at the back. And I know McGuire is the captain and everything, but it, it's really, it would really make a, a big difference.
0: How, how much do you think United are willing to spend in the summer at another center back, especially with how Lindelof's been performing this season?
3: I have no idea what they're going to be looking to spend, because I know all the money is going to be still centered on Jadon Sancho. Um, the rumors of Declan Rice as well, given that Lampard has departed Chelsea. Uh, I don't really know, but I have a feeling that they're going to be looking to spend upwards of $60 million plus in the summer, if possible.
1: Mm. Harrison, we'll, we'll, uh, to keep on the transfer, um, and this is just a question for you, you know, we've seen Bruno Fernandez come in. We'll talk about him a little later. But Bruno come in and be this absolute superstar. He's been the best player that has come into United and, and performed in years. And saying that, this summer, other than a center back, what would you want to see?
3: A Nemanja Matic replacement, which is why I personally would place a higher value on Declan Rice than I would um, Sancho. I just think that... All the metrics tell you that he's just an unbelievable workhorse in midfield. His ball retention is excellent. His progressive passing is great. He's just got a good innate sense for sniffing out attacks and just kind of making defenses, que- or teams going forward, question themselves. And I just think if you add that piece to a midfield where possibly it could be a Pog, but Declan Rice, Bruno kind of trio, it would just be so dangerous, so dynamic and it would just make a world of difference because at times Lindelof and Maguire are left hanging because Fred as great of a presser as he is and you know he does bring a lot of things to the game at times he's positionally unaware McTominay is more of a box to box midfielder than defensive minded and Matic is getting older
1: uh, you, you brought up Pogba and you know the news just like Manchester United um, as always they're always in the news with something you know uh, Pogba's contract runs out not this summer but next summer. Uh, his brother has very made it very clear that you know they need to sell him this summer. Um, you know his agent's very vocal about that. Pogba has you know really not said a lot. He said that he wants he's playing for the club he's at right now. He's putting all effort forward, which is very obvious with his performances. Um, do you think that one you will keep in the summer and two like if you don't, I mean, is he gonna leave on a free or are you gonna try to extend it?
3: Uh, I think they'll try and sell him if they can't get him to re-sign, but I think he'll re-sign if we win something.
1: That, that's, fair, that's fair enough. Uh, moving on to the next game of Aston Villa and Arsenal. Uh, one team overachieving, one team underachieving. Um, and and e- ever since last week, uh, la- since we sat in the room last time, Aston Villa, I think, were in the top four right before the holidays, and I, I don't remember. I mean, I know we were in first, and we're not there anymore. Uh, but anyway, so Aston Villa won 2-0, um, or 1-0 on a second-minute goal from Ali Watkins. Uh, this was a very kind of lackluster game towards the end. Uh, Arsenal never got in gear. Aston Villa didn't need to do anything else. They played their game. Uh, Dean Smith has had a really outstanding season, um, and they have two games at hand still on most teams, sitting in ninth, but they could easily be up in fifth with two wins. So we'll start with Chris. I don't know if you want to talk about how decent Aston Villa's been or how up and down Arsenal's season
0: has been. Well, I can definitely touch on both. Um, I think I'll start with Aston Villa. Aston Villa, they are still, I think, a a couple games behind because of uh, COVID and cancellations and all that. But we've really seen, especially with the return of Ross Barkley, of course he went. He, he was substituted out of a match after only the second minute with a hamstring injury, and he was out for at least a month or two. Um, with the return of him, he's been able to open up the attack more. There's not as much reliance on brilliant moments from Jack Grealish, and Ollie Watkins has seemed to get out of the slump of missing literally every ball that comes to him in the box. Um, so I, I think Aston Villa have a really chance of progressing this season definitely staying ahead given all the signings that they made to improve from 17th last year we could be seeing them finishing in the top 10 this season and then on Arsenal's side of the ball right back in December we were questioning if Arteta would still be here by now and they've obviously turned things around especially with the introduction of uh, Smith Rowe but I, I do think it although they've been playing well they've had some Pretty poor performances mixed in there, right? So I think probably Arsenal's goal for the rest of the season is to just stay relevant. Get enough goals, Lacazette, get him into the team. Pepe, Saka, especially Saka, give Saka minutes. um, And then hope for Europa League.
3: They just need to trust in Arteta, and I have to preach on this again because everybody seems to live week to week with them, but it just is a process. It has to get worse before it gets better. They're not conceding 30 shots a game like they were under Unai Emery. The last three losses that they've had have come down to individual errors. The team is playing well. The shape is well. They don't create all the chances they want, but that's just kind of a lack of firepower in the midfield, and Arteta's approach is really damage control, so when they do go, go behind, it does look bad, because they can't carve out those opportunities as well, because teams will sit in deep. And I just think they gotta believe. You gotta have that trust. I watched Ole get absolutely run through 4-0 at Everton, and I you, just, you have to take those moments on the chin and just trust in what they have going for them. And as far as I know, Arsenal still have every bit of belief in Arteta to turn this around, and why shouldn't they?
1: I, and and that, is, that is absolutely something that I think for Arsenal fans is nice to see, um, them have the backing of a manager like this. And, you know, he, there have been ups and downs, but you have seen, you have seen improvement, especially defensively, um, with the defensive players they have. I mean, last week you saw David Luiz give up a penalty and get a right card, um, and you can argue that it wasn't right or not. It was, it was absolutely a penalty. It doesn't matter. Um, Andy. Arteta learned under Pep, and you've watched Arsenal play. What have you seen him been able to bring in from Pep? What he's learned from him? How has he changed the team?
2: I think the attacking style seems a lot different. I mean, he's used Lacazette very well. I think Aubameyang's kind of struggled, and I I thought that was very surprising from him because you know Aubameyang's a really good striker. But you know, it just seems like under Arteta that he's really struggled to find goals as of late. But it's Lacazette and Smith Rowe, uh, like. Chris talked about I think has been a nice introduction in the midfield you can see kind of how uh, Smith-Rowe's the provider, and he's the guy that's getting the balls to Lacazette, getting it to Pepe, and I think that front three is really going to improve as the season continues. Uh, I mean, Pepe started to have some games where he's shown some promise. Obviously, still has a lot of work to do. I think, you know, he's technically gifted, but he's got to find his form and start scoring a lot more goals, but I think, you know, Arteta, like, like uh, it's damage control, like Harrison said. I think, you know, it wasn't going to click. I don't think it was ever going to be you know, like Pep, like you know, Klopp has done at Liverpool. It wasn't going to be like that, but he's really having to learn and adapt at Arsenal. And I think, you know, with the guys that he has, if he can continue this and even buy some more players in the summer, I think Arsenal could be back to what they used to be.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And like Harrison was saying, it does come come down to a lot of individual errors that they aren't able to make up for. And a big part of that is the amount of red guards that they have faced for petulant little things like the headbutt and the David Luiz foul. And m- maybe that wasn't a red card. It probably wasn't. But it's still just these individual errors. And that's really what's been holding back this team.
1: I mean, they have, they have nine wins, uh, four draws, and ten losses. Um, and over the past, you know, they've, they've been on rolls, and they haven't. Um, they've, uh, the last three games, they've drawn Manchester United, nil-nil. They've lost to Wolves. You know, there was a red card in that match. And then they lost to Aston Villa. Um, and they've had a very up and up and down season. Uh, what is a good finish for them this season?
3: Trying to f- remain in Europe. That is the best they can do. Just retain, get as much money in as you can from every possible outlet, which, of course, for them is Europe. And, yeah, it, that's all they have to do. And just kind of stay, as Chris said, relevant. Pull yourselves into the top seven. Just don't fall too far to where the confidence and the belief drops in the players because... The board can believe as much as they want because Arteta puts on the look and the everything he says typically sounds good when he's not spouting spra- uh, stats to uh, somebody in a press conference. But everything usually sounds good. But if he loses the players, it's going to be impossible to get them back on side. Uh, just to go through
1: a few other games, uh, Newcastle, Southampton. Newcastle won 3-2. Uh, pretty unbelievable game for them, actually. You know, they... Scored three, got a right Jeff Hendrick got a second yellow in the 49th, and they played with you know ten men the rest of the game. They, they played with
0: nine men by the end. And hit, nine
1: men. Because because Char got injured too, mm-hmm. um, so they finished uh, three two another. That's two wins in a row from Newcastle, uh, Burnley, Brighton, um, Goodwinson, and Lewis Dunk both scored one one. Uh, two teams that you know Brighton's been playing a lot better after being Tottenham and Liverpool. Um, you know they've gotten seven points out of their last nine possible, which is really impressive. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur 2, West Bromwich Albion 0. Uh, Harry Kane returned to the lineup today, or on on Sunday morning. Harry Kane did score in the 54th, and then you could have guessed the other goal scorer, Sonny. Um, and West Brom have a negative 36 GD. Uh, after, you know, I feel like this is the first time in a while that Chris and I are sitting here looking at each other like which team of ours is worse. Um, but we'll start with Andy. Uh, Spurs got Harry Kane back. They win. So the question I have for you is, if Harry Kane is healthy, what is Spurs?
2: I think they're the Spurs that we know and saw in the early season. I mean, he is that much of an importance to them as, like, I mean, some of the best players in the world are, I mean, like, Salah to Liverpool, like, you know, De Bruyne to Man City. I think he is the guy that, he's not only become the goal scorer, he's become the provider. He's dropping back in the midfield and he's connecting passes to guys like Son and Bergwijn. And he's not only doing the goal scoring, he's actually doing the assists. like I said, the provision to those guys who are getting into the box. And I think that's really where Spurs have started to show more improvement is that they're using guys like Kane. They're using guys like Son to be the attackers. And I think, you know, without him, there was just nothing against Brighton for Tottenham. I, I watched that game and I was just like, if Harry Kane's in this game, He's getting balls to Son, and he's making him look more dangerous. But Son looked like he was lost. He didn't have Kane to get those balls to him. And I thought Ndombele didn't really step up during that time period. But now that Kane's back, I think that totally changes Spurs. Maybe could save their season a little bit. I, I mean, obviously, they're kind of out of the title race at this point. But, you know, still, I think a top, top four finish might be on the cards, possibly, if they get it together again.
1: Unlike the past few games, Spurs did have – uh, plenty of more shots on target. Now, again, with a grain of salt, they're playing West Bromwich Albion. Uh, West Brom has one of the worst defensive records in the league and under a defensive coach um, in Sam Allardyce. Um, Harrison, as a critic of Jose Mourinho uh, since he has been at Manchester United, uh, where do you think a season needs to be for Tottenham for him to stay in the job past the summer?
3: He's got to end this season with a trophy on his desk. I also thought it was pretty funny. He sat there and told the camera, you know, I don't want to talk about Harry Kane. I want to talk about the team. We all know that result probably doesn't look like it does without Harry Kane on the field. It is just so night and day with him when he's on the pitch and off the pitch. and." Uh, to Andy's point, I think Ndombele does have to step up when Kane's out of there because I think him and Son have about the same impact when Harry Kane is off the field and I might argue that Ndombele is more dangerous at times.
1: Uh, Chris, uh, you have seen me go up and down with my emotions over the past week and a half, two weeks now with Tottenham um, since you know we, we had won three out of our last 11 before the West Brom match. Um, what do you think is kind of the right move here for Spurs going forward.
0: Well, I think the right move for Spurs is to put a little bit more faith in their manager. I know that it's been a tough couple of results, but um, if Spurs keep firing their managers after every three losses in a row like Chelsea, uh, they're going to go nowhere fast. Um, Plus, the longer Mourinho stays in the job, the longer that you get to have a coffee cup with his face on it intact because uh, I imagine that's not going to last long after he gets fired. But, um, yeah, so Spurs, Spurs have to put more emphasis on taking all of the responsibility off of Harry Kane. Like Andy said, like Harrison said, Harry Kane is their player. They lose Harry Kane. They lose the team. I would argue, Andy said Sala. I would say Van Dyke. Fernandez for United. Vardy. For Leicester, without these key players, you lose half of your team. It feels like it—they're just lost on the pitch. Uh, there's there's no co- uh, cohesion going forward. Uh, Son looks mindless. Um, uh, Lucas and um, uh, Lamella can't provide the same type of play style that Harry Kane can. And Harry Kane was like we saw earlier in the season—he was adapted. Right? He used to be an out-and-out striker. Then he was dropping back and providing more balls uh, to, to, to Son. And we saw them get in the double digits of goals and assists early in the season. Now, those numbers were a bit inflated because they were uh, uh, low XG shots, but they still were able to make those shots. And we've seen over the past month that without Harry Kane, it, it's not the same Tottenham team. So Jose Mourinho either needs to figure out a way to fix his... Glass bones, or start looking at replacements.
1: And I think, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I think you know, after the the Brighton match, which was the, probably the worst match I've ever watched us play since maybe we lost to Brighton last year, three not or two years ago, three nothing. Um, you know, I think it was a lot more. We should have uh, the fans, including myself, should have understood that you know when you're missing your best player, you're not the same team. I think we kind of looked at it as in when we loss came before in the past, Posh was the manager, he did things differently, um, and that's no hate to Mourinho, um, I mean, I have a, I still have some faith in him, that he can pull a definitely trophy, out. I had said earlier in the year that a trophy would, as Harrison said, put a trophy on the desk, it's a successful season, um, in my opinion, I, I, I still think top four is a must, I really do, um, especially, and on more of the lines up. not for the fans, but, you know, like, you want to keep your best players, you need to play, uh, and, you know, Son is going to sign a new contract. That's kind of already almost over and done with. Kane is the one that everyone's talking about. Kane needs to stay because you can see what happens when we don't have Harry. Uh, and in saying that, uh, Leicester and Wolves tied 0 0. Uh, Leicester is without Vardy, so they can't score, seems to, without Vardy. And then the game of the week Liverpool, Manchester City. Uh, it's amazing how earlier in the season City were like 6th, 7th and just because they had a few games behind and stuff but now they're in first and they're running away with it. Uh 4-1 Manchester City. Okai Gundogan had a brace. Mohamed Salah had a penalty in the 63rd being brought down by Ruben Diaz. Uh Raheem Sterling in 76th and Phil Foden. this kid's absolute wonderful talent in the 83rd scored an absolutely magnificent goal. So Andy uh, you never broke any a bit of your trust in pep. I mean, I wouldn't either, as Christian and Klopp, you know, two of the best managers in the world. Uh where? I mean, that am going be real, real base with you here. Where, where, when do you think the season's gonna be over? Because you're gonna, you, you guys, you know, you're already six up. Um, you're already six up, and you have a game in hand. You're five up, and you have a game in hand. Um, you've lost, you've won. A lot in a row. I don't know what the exact number is. I know you're unbeaten like, 15. Mm -hmm. Um, Your last loss was to us. You play us this upcoming weekend. Um, Do you think this is going to be another one of those 20-point gaps? Do you think United's going to stick around? Um, You don't have your best player. So when he comes back, I mean, what's your opinion on your season so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been great the last couple months. I mean, I think City have finally found what they needed without the key talent that they needed. Obviously, De Bruyne was involved with uh, most of this run until he got hurt. Uh, But it's Phil Foden and uh, Ilkay Gundogan who have honestly stepped up when they needed to gunduin has got nine goals since December. I think that speaks a lot to him and his quality that he has honestly filled the hole that Kevin De Bruyne left when he got hurt. And I mean, De Bruyne is going to be back soon. He's, not, he's uh, kind of in rehab right now, but I mean, he's going to be back in the, before the Manchester United game. And I think that's massive for City. And I, I've said it all along, the fact that they were able to do this without Sergio Aguero is honestly stunning. And I think Gabriel Jesus is a good striker, but, like, they haven't needed to play him as the the nine. They've played Foden and Sterling and Torres, and it seemed to have worked because they all know their jobs and they know what they have to do. And I, I was criticizing uh, them starting uh, Foden at the nine. I criticized it at the start of the game. I was like, what are we doing? Like, what? why are we doing that? And, like, the first half, I mean – Liverpool honestly kind of controlled the first half. But then second half obviously the mistakes happened from Liverpool kinda gave City an advantage, but I mean City was able to get through that through that whole hole and like they didn't have the possession. I mean if you look at the possession stats, it's fifty-six forty-four, Liverpool's favorite. Liverpool has six corner kicks to City's one corner kick. I mean they dominated the possession, but City was able to, to capitalize on mistakes and just had two brilliant plays from Phil Foden, a uh, goal and an assist, and I think it was just a brilliant performance in the second half.
0: Yeah, I'd say I, I'd find it hard to call it uh, a title race because there's only one horse in this race left. If you look at the other teams that are up there, Liverpool are falling apart at the moment, and they don't like, look like they're going to get back together anytime soon. Manchester United are shortly behind City, but like Ole even said, they're not thinking about a title race, and then the next person, the the next teams that you are looking at are Leicester, who are missing Vardy, and Chelsea, who just got a new manager. And even though they they've won their last three games, they have a tough run ahead. They have Southampton, Atletico, Man United, Everton, Leeds, Atletico, and then Liverpool. Uh, this is going to be a real um, uh, real test for this team to prove that to prove if they're going to be able to fight for a uh, fight for a title or not but in the future but this season to me at least is done and dusted city just have the better replacements on the bench uh, they have the most well-rounded team at the moment i mean if you look at city's bench for this game against liverpool alone was gabriel jesus zach stefan laporte torres mendy Fernandinho, garcia those seven players cost combined in excess of 300 million dollars if you look at the quality of that team on the bench, any one of those players would be a starter in almost any other Premier League side. This is the best team in the Premier League this season, and they're going to be able to make it until the end because they have the players to do so.
1: Harrison, I mean, you are you, you did admit earlier that this is not a title race. How close do you think it's going to be?
3: Uh, I think it'll slowly just get the gap will you know get further and further. Like I said, United yeah, have conceded 30 goals. With their two starting center backs, Liverpool have conceded 29. To be fair, without their starting center back, so yeah, it's not looking good. And I mean, all you can do is praise City's recruitment. Um, they've got money to spend, and they spend it well. Ruben Diaz has been life changing. I mean, a reassuring presence to say the least. He's revived John Stones, and they just look great. And I could sit here and praise Foden, but we all know he is just phenomenal think him and Bukayo Saka could make a huge difference this summer for England?
1: Uh, to Liverpool, well, I just want to say one more thing. The realest thing to me about you know, the City team is I'm, I'm just looking at the stats, and you said Ilkai Goodwin has nine goals since December, right? He's your highest goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at the gold boot race right now, you have at 16, Fernandez who is having a bar nobody season, an unbelievable season with 13, uh, Diamond Carver-Lewin, Harry Kane, and Youngman Sun all with 13. All of them. And you look at that and you go, well, City's in first with a huge goal differential, um, and you guys are just kind of rolling around with your best player, who is the second, tied second leader in assist with 10, out. It's, it's just incredible. Um, Chris, Liverpool has had one of those seasons that you just kind of can't shake. You know, you, you get destroyed with you know three of your starting center backs out for the year. Um, and then, you know, you've lost Sadio Mane for a few games, and he just, he's just seems off. Uh, Salah's kind of kept it up, and he's he's still absolutely Mohamed Salah. He's scoring goals. He's doing what he needs to do. Uh, Firmino's been off. Um, you know, you bring in Thiago, and though we all believe he's an outstanding player, and you can see it in his eyes, he hasn't totally in a team. The, the results aren't there when he plays. That's not his fault. They're, they're just not there. Um, you know, you're playing your best center defensive mid at center back, your other best center defensive mid at center back, um, you know, and now you look at it, you have these two young kids coming in now with Demerol and uh, Ben Davies, not the top Hotspur Ben Davies. The better Ben Davies. The, be, the better Ben Davies. Um, so, for you, what do you think is going to happen here coming down the stretch?
0: Right. So. Um, Let's, let's start at the beginning. The reason why this team isn't coming together is because you take out the spine of that team, the nerve center, and the entire body is going to fall apart. Um, and Virgil van Dijk is that player, right? He connects everyone on this team. He's playing balls out from the back. He gives players in the midfield reassurance because they know that the best center back in the world is behind them providing that defensive cover and allows them to go further up the pitch and push higher. If this Klopp team isn't allowed to push high up the pitch, then they're not gonna win the ball high up the pitch in those dangerous positions. And we've already seen how hard it is for this team, even with all of their attacking talent and only with the center backs out to actually break down a defense like Brighton, like West Brom, like Newcastle, um, like Fulham. Uh, so you, you take out that piece of the puzzle, everything's going to fall apart. Let's, I wanna compare um, Liverpool's bench to City's bench for that match. I already mentioned City's bench, but let's talk about Liverpool's bench. James Milner, free transfer. Adrian, free transfer. Oxlade-Chamberlain, most expensive player on the bench, $41 million, has been out for a long time with knee injuries, but has finally gotten back into the team, at least on the bench. Cadback, literally just get signed him on loan for $1.2 million. Simicast, $14 million, hardly had any minutes. 14 million dollars for Shakiri, 16 million dollars five years ago for Origi. Um Nat Phillips Academy, Nico Williams Academy. This is not the oil team. This is all hands on deck. Whoever whoever Liverpool have left, they're going to use. And we we can see that Klopp's putting all the best players on the pitch because he's he's trying to just get out any result. You have your. First and second choice midfielders. I'd call Jordan Henderson more of a box-to-box nowadays. He used to play the number six in the 17-18 season, but he moved up with the purchase of Fabinho. You get your one and two midfielders playing center back, and you have, even though Tiago's in the midfield, he's not allowed that kind of freedom that he would if you had your best midfielders around him. Curtis Jones is a quality player, but he can't create the entire offense. Uh, you You need some support from your... From your star so I'm seeing a lot of people call out to Klopp and ask him why don't you just put the two center backs that you signed in the center back role so that you can push up Fabinho and Jordan Henderson into that position you can't just do that against Manchester City you can't you can try and do that against um, uh, maybe a Fulham game or maybe uh, a Burnley game or something like that but you can't do that against you know probably the best team in England right now um, so that just wasn't going to happen. And if you really want to pick a part of the game, Fabinho gives up a penalty because he's an inexperienced center back and he's not adept at defending one of the best left wingers in the league in that position. Uh, goal missed, typical from the penalty. It's Manchester City. What do you expect? Um, and then later, the the uh, the goal from City came from. Alexander Arnold and Fabinho too afraid to do anything because they already gave Sterling a penalty. So they just let him run all the way by. Allison makes a decent save. Gundogan's there to uh, scoop it up. And then these these keeper errors that just came out of left field, sorry to make a baseball reference on a soccer show, but this is not typical of Allison. This man single-handedly sent Liverpool through the group stage in the 2018-19 season at the Champions League with a save against Napoli. Uh, he's, he's widely considered to be one of the top two, if not the best keeper in the world at the moment, and he also just came back from illness. So if you want to put that on the table, Klopp said, "Oh, maybe he has cold feet." I don't know. Tim Howard agreed with that statement, but gives up two errors, and then it's a wonder strike from Foden. You got to give him credit on that. That was a really good kick, but it was against a lifeless team who had already gone down two goals. Nothing was firing up top. The only thing that they got was a penalty. Sure, there was a couple good kicks by Curtis Jones and one Vermont, But it's the same thing that we've seen from this Liverpool team over the past month. They had 98 shots and didn't score a single one of them. The odds of that over the, the entire month of January until the, uh, the Spurs game are incredibly low. And circling back to Van Dyke being out of the team, if the majority of these players, right, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Firmino, Wijnaldum, Henderson, um, Robertson Alexander Arnold have been with this team for f- four seasons in the 16-17 season Liverpool finished fourth 76 points 1718 fourth place 75 points just one just one point less same position and in January of that transfer window they signed Virgil van Dijk but who's Virgil van Dijk playing with Dajon Lufferin and Ragnar Klavan as legendary the Estonian is He is not Joel Matip or Joe Gomez or Laporte or whoever else you want to put in there. The next season, they bump up and get 97 points, Champions League winners. The next season, 99 points, 32 wins in the Premier League. Uh, And then there's drop-off, right? And why is that? Because Van Dijk is out. Even in the month following Van Dijk's injury, with Gomez and Matip and occasionally Fabinho playing center back. Liverpool still won four or five matches in a row. But without those two other players, it's just not going to work. And the board finally realized that after uh, the, the losses and draws over uh, between the Crystal Palace win and the Tottenham win. And that's what caused them to buy those center backs. The thing is, you've got to use the center backs now. And hopefully Klopp realizes that sooner rather than later because I don't see this team going anywhere if they're not allowing their best players to play in their best positions. Yes.
1: We're gonna get to this later. I'm just gonna ask you now, and mm-hmm. then we'll get to it later. Do you still think Liverpool will get top four? Like, will, will they, I, I, not, I, I, I'm gonna say this. Yes, you do think that. Yeah. Will they?
0: Yes. I e, Even with this poor run of games, we've seen the quality in the past. I think if you put Fabinho in his natural position, if you put Henderson in his natural position, even if you have Fabinho playing as one of the center backs and you have Davies and Kavak, Playing as the other center back. I just don't see how this team, who has given out so many quality results, can keep misfiring going forward unless you don't alter the midfield. Because as quality as Thiago is, he's not Jordan Henderson. And Jordan Henderson, whenever he's out of the midfield, Liverpool play increasingly poorly. And I think they, I believe Liverpool have more losses and draws over the past three seasons when Henderson is either not in the team or not in his natural position, than when he that is, is, that is, that is, a, that is in his natural position. position.
1: Um, y- you bought Kavak, not Demerol. is the Juventus kid. We uh, Yeah, that's right. Liverpool now, bought
0: Ben Davies and loan yeah, Kavak. Yeah, that's right. Um, for combined less than 3 million pounds.
1: We all have really important players to our team. Um, Harrison, I'll ask you this. Do you think the Van Dyke injury has put them in the position they are in now or do you think it's you know klopp uh, as a brilliant manager he is he consistently plays the same team he wears them down um and that's not his fault possibly the same thing and you know playing a team over and over you said for four years do you think that that has finally kind of gotten to him and he needs a little restart like pep has done with city city plays a little bit different now than they used to so i mean harrison you've been with you know different managers you've seen totally different things what do you think about Klopp's man management
3: I think it's fine I don't think there's too much reason to question him they've been hit by injuries like a wave and it's just unfortunate and yeah it's basically solely responsible for what's going on right now
0: when Klopp was at Dortmund, his final season there if you look at the the XG and the expected points and I know your thoughts on XG but I'm going to talk about them anyways Dorman should have finished in top three that season. They finished seventh and Klopp lost his job, um, or mutually parted, I believe. Um, But his his philosophy still holds. He has no reason to change his philosophy. The only thing that's changed with him and tactics over the course of his Liverpool career has been that at the beginning, it was very, very heavy metal. This team was pushing very high up the pitch, constantly pressing all of the time because they could not defend at all and that was the only way that they were going to win games they were only going to win and this was the same when brendan rogers was a manager in 13 14 they were only going to win games if they scored three or four goals with the intro- with the introduction of van dyke with joe gammas coming into the team with joel Matip starring in the uh the 18 19 season uh, the the team realized that they could score one two goals and fight to the end for a result and not have to overly rely on Salah scoring a hat-trick, even if he got 32 goals um, in that 17-18 season where they only got 75 points. You have to have defenders. And Klopp has no reason to change his tactics. It's what got him trophies. And, and, I, and I totally
1: understand that. And defenders are really important. I mean, I, not to bring Spurs back into this, but I kind of understand where Mourinho, you know, I've watched Eric Dyer lose his games. I, I've literally witnessed him. Well, at Brighton, physically lose a, a, a soccer, a football match. I watched it happen. I've seen that, and we don't have a Van Dyke. You, know, I, I, you know, I rate Toby very highly, and he's, what do I, but we don't have that. Um, so moving on to a little bit of a new manager situation with Chelsea, um, which I'm gonna say something in a second, but Chelsea won 2-1 against Sheffield. Sheffield have been playing a ton better. Um, I think it's a little bit too, little too late for them. Uh, but they have been playing a ton better. Mason Mount um, scored in the 43rd, and then Rudiger had an own goal. Uh, Jorginho scored a penalty in the 58th. The Chelsea have won the last three games. They are unbeaten in all four of the last four games. Uh, Tuchel has come in, kind of changed things up a little bit. They're a, a, they play a lot different than they did under Lampard. Um, I just want to say that I knew Lampard was getting fired. I just make that very clear. I said oh, that didn't real, we, really Didn't we <laughs> all? <laughs> no, no, I, I meant like at the beginning, I was like, he's out. He didn't work. Because if mean, you're going to spend $300 million, $320 million, and you're in eighth? No, that's not how Chelsea works. Um, you know, and uh, we don't. We can talk a lot about Chelsea. Now, I, we wanted to, I wanted to do something tonight, um, and I texted you guys earlier, uh, about our top four. Uh, we did this earlier in the year. Um, said who we think is going to be top four. I asked you guys, we're at the midseason now, we're a little bit past it, who's your now top four? Who's going to finish top four at the end of the year? We're not going to do relegation because I think all of us would agree that the three teams in relegation right now are going down. Is there anybody that disagrees with that? No.
3: No. Okay, okay.
1: very very clear. Uh, Harrison had Sheffield there early in the year, I remember. Um, I think we all
0: had West Brom and Fulham there. Um, I think I had Villa there at the beginning of the season. Have, well, I think I had West Ham there.
1: <laughs> um but and
0: obviously that didn't happen so
1: we'll start with we'll start with harrison harrison who's your top
3: who's gonna be your top four uh Manchester city united uh leicester and chelsea and i mean really three of them are already there uh why do you choose chelsea i think tuchel can find his rhythm he's just got to get results uh, it hasn't looked great, but it's just new. So there's not a whole lot to go off of. Still kind of waiting uh, to see what he's going to do with Polisic, who, you know, call me biased because he plays for US. But I think he's their most dynamic player on the field at times, and we'll see what he's got in him because he's managed him before.
1: And, and that's totally understandable, and I think all of us, none of us, are biased in saying that he is definitely our most favorite player on Chelsea, and we all are rooting for him every week. Uh, Chris, you're next. Who is your top four?
0: Uh, I have Manchester City and then about 40 points. <laughs> and then I have Liverpool United and Chelsea. But Chelsea is a big question, Mike question Mike. Question Mark for me too. Just because it's a new manager, you never know what's going to happen. He's gotten the results so far. I already touched on it. They have a really tough st- schedule going ahead. If Leicester had Vardy, I would have easily put Vardy at number four. But um, I, I think in the moment, Chelsea had Chelsea bought those players because they saw the quality that they had the previous season. And I think they believe that Tuchel is the guy who will be able to get the most out of those players, especially Havertz and Werner.
2: Andy. So... I think this top four battle is just going to be absolutely insane. It could be like a final day kind of thing. I, I really do think, I mean, it's so close between uh, Liverpool all the way down to even Aston Villa. I mean, it's five points. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, f- fourth place to ninth is just so tight. So there's so many possibilities. But I think it's going to be Manchester City, Manchester United. I think Liverpool goes in at third. And I have West Ham United going to the Champions League, and here's why. I'm just telling you, Suchek, Jesse Lingard, and Antonio are the guys, and I, I really think that they have what it takes to do it. I just don't. I don't believe in Chelsea right now. I don't believe Tottenham can get back up there, and I don't believe Everton will have enough. I think they'll they'll, they'll challenge, but I think just. It's going to be like one of those final day kind of things. I think it's going
0: to be so close, but I think West Ham sneaks in there. Suchek has that quality, and I, I think we're all, all of our fantasy teams are thankful that he got that red card rescinded uh, because that was an absolute joke. But West Ham are going to be a team to watch going into the end with the quality of the Declan Rice brings, Suchak, Antonio seemingly figuring things out after the departure of Allaire, who. Mm-hmm. I believe, is still not on Ajax's uh, Europa League team sheet. Because they forgot him? Because they forgot him. Mm-hmm. Um, West Ham's one to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up maybe in the uh, UEFA Europa com- conference by the end of the season. I uh,
1: My top four is a little different. Um, so I have City and United. Um, and I have to say I have United there, um, one, because I think Bruno is just unmatched. I think he's unbelievable. Um, you know, and I think that they have the just the players that United have. This is one of the better United teams I've seen over the past, you know, five six years, and just the players they have. and They play different and they play free, and it's nice to see. Um, I have Tottenham in there. Um, that that might change. I I I kind of have this feeling for me at least that you know. I think we're gonna get fourth, and we're gonna get fifth. And if we get fifth, we get fifth. Um, I just, I think we'll stick around. Again, Harrison said this earlier, if Kane gets injured, we're we're done. We're screwed. You know, that's it. Um, If he stays healthy, I think we're top four eligible, as Andy said. But he has to stay healthy. Hit son, too, It's not just those two. And and in my opinion, Hoiberg, and I've said that before. Um, I think we can get up there. I think it's going to come down to two other teams, though. Liverpool and Everton. I think mm-hmm. I, I think Everton has a shot. I think Everton's, you know, we've seen them play with Manchester United. So they can play. It's just the consistency for them. Mm-hmm. They have the players. Uh, Do- Do- Dominic Calvert-Lewin's outstanding. You know, he's a, he's a good number nine. Um, and, you know, Hamas has come and done a really good job. He needs to stay healthy. Um, you know, they need to keep their guys healthy. Uh, I think their biggest downfall will be their goalkeeper situation. Um maybe even their center-back situation. Um, I'm just not sold on who they got right now with Mina and uh, Keane. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't have the faith in Chelsea, obviously. I don't have them in the top five. But, I mean, I, I said Tottenham because, obviously, I'm biased. I'm a Spurs fan. I'd like to see us there. Um, I agree with Harrison, though. I think if we don't get a trophy at the end of the year we're not top four, I think Mourinho's going to be gone, personally. But I think... I've kind of come to the idea now that it's going to be end of the season. We'd have to go on one terrible run. We'd have to get knocked out of Europa pretty early, for him to even anyone to talk about it. Um, and then the last thing that we're going to talk about today was I just our player of the season so far. Um, and I know uh, there's really only three or four players you can have in here. Uh, we'll start with Andy. Uh, Andy, who's your player of the season so far?
2: I mean, I think it's no surprise. I've already talked about him, as it's I mean, I just, I think he's been unreal. And I know, look, I know it's a surprise, and I know you're looking at me, but like, this guy does not start because Kevin De Bruyne is out on the field. And the way that he's come and affected play when City plays, and now that De Bruyne has been injured, is honestly unreal. And, yes, I'm sliding, like, half the league, and I know all you guys are like, oh, he just went with his own player. But I really, truly, you Le- have to look Let me,
1: better. Let me, if you had to pick another player. Okay. <laughs> fine. Fine.
2: Fine, fine. No, no, defend. me. I mean, defend. because,
1: because I, I, though I agree with you, I think he's been outstanding. He's not going to win the award.
3: No, he's not. He's not. That's, that's, that's so totally who do you think is
1: going to win the award?
3: I think we could all go around the table and agree that Bruno Fernandez is by far the most impactful player of the season. United would be nowhere near a title race, and probably near where Arsenal are in the league, given their leaky defense. Okay, okay, yes, Bruno. I Fernandez. can I can
1: agree with that, Chris. I'm interested to see who you're going to say. You're going to say Bruno? You're going to say somebody else?
0: We're all thinking it. He plays in the midfield. He absolutely bosses every game that he plays in, and he's bald. It's John Joe Shelby. Oh absolutely ladies and gentlemen you no know. Joe shelby in, in my opinion the, the maestro of the magpies he he's everything to that team no of course i'm joking no it's bruno fernandes easily easily without him manchester manchester united would uh, well right now they're pretty much in the same position points wise that they were in last season at this time so maybe they would be worse off without him i don't know porto seemed maybe. to be maybe maybe just maybe, maybe. Sporting seem to be better off without him at the moment. I believe they're top of the, top of the league in Portugal, so take that as you will. It's called, reinvestment. Well. It's called but, reinvestment. But, y- yeah, if, if United don't have Fernandes, then we'd be talking about them being in the UEFA Europa Conference and not <laughs> believing that they're going to finish second this season.
1: I mean, I think it's between, I would say four, but I'm going to say three players. Uh, Bruno's one, and I think Bruno's going to win it because he's a Manchester United player. and I mean, that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying I think he's going to win because he's a Manchester United player and because he's had an unbelievable – he keeps doing what he's doing. He's having I think Harry Kane deserves it too. He has – I mean, if you want to go – look at what happened when he didn't play. He has the same amount of goals as Bruno and two more assists, and you can go stats all, all you want. It's okay. I, and, and I totally understand that, you know, Bruno's been unbelievable, and I, I as I said before, I think he's going to win the award. I also think Jack Grealish deserves a child. Um, you know, talk about impactful players for teams – the kid has 10 assists for Aston Villa, who is two games in hand and is in ninth, and they're that last team in ninth that are five points off top four. I and mean, they could be in top four, um, are you going to raise your hand like you're in class?
0: Yes. Uh, if we are going to keep referring to the player of the season as the most impactful player of the season, then that would be Jordan Pickford because he has had the most impact <laughs> – on a certain player's season,
1: I, I I don't I, I think Bruno's going to win it, and deservedly so, absolutely. And I, I will not have. It. I think Harry Kane absolutely deserves a shout at it if, if he keeps up what he's doing. Now we're halfway through the season, a little over halfway. You know somebody could get really cold. We've seen that happen in the past where someone doesn't score for weeks on end. You know um, that's nothing against, but like Mane got really cold for a while. I've seen Harry Kane get really cold. Suns gotten really cold. A lot of players have gotten really cold, um, and that could happen. Um, but if United finish second and Bruno gets, I mean, he's already on pace, but say Bruno gets 20 goals and 16, 17 assists, he's player of the season. Even if Harry Kane has 26 goals and 15, 16 assists and we finish fourth, the player of the season goes to the player that's most impactful, and that's absolutely right. John Joe Shelby. John, John Joe Shelby, yeah. Um, so last thing we got to do is predictions. Best thing we've got to do. Best thing we got to do. And so we changed the rules a little bit. Um, Chris won last time, um, and. Thank
0: you, thank you. Hold your applause.
1: So the last half of the season, um, you know, and this is Chris's last semester here, and Andy's. Um, so this is this is the last time in studio we're going to be doing predictions. Um, so there are 20 teams, so we're going to get through all 20. We've already sat down and done the math. If you going to pick two teams per week? Um, Whatever two teams you pick, unlike before, if your team loses or draws, you don't get any points. That's not true anymore. your team draws, you get a point. You get one point. Um, And the winner will get something at the end. We we will all sit down and figure that out. The losers will buy that person. So we're going to start this week. Uh, Remember, you cannot pick the same team twice, so try to choose wisely. Uh, Two teams. So uh, we'll start with Andy. Who who, who Who are your two teams this week?
2: My two teams this week are one Burnley over Crystal Palace and number 2 is Everton over Fulham.
1: The, the the Burnley one's really interesting. Is there a reason why you think that?
2: I just think right now Palace especially after today they're just really lacking the goal consistency and I, I know zaha has been out and you know as they had to kind of take that front Uh, position up in the nine but I just think Burnley uh, they've found a way to scratch out results and defend well.
0: I think they'll get I think they'll at least get a winner draw out of it. That's fair enough. Chris? I'm putting all my chips on the table and I'm sensing a new wind blowing in Liverpool so I'm going to pick Liverpool beating Leicester City I need this. (laughs) Kabak Fabinho at the back Henderson, Thiago, Walnallum or Curtis Jones in the midfield, finally giving some giving a spark of life into that offense. And then I'm going to take West Ham including Suchek, to beat Sheffield United, worst team in the league. God, whoever has to pick
3: Sheffield United in this is oh man. I
1: think I think I think West Brom's worse.
2: Harrison
3: I'll take Southampton to be Wolves, and I'll take Chelsea to be Newcastle.
1: Southampton have lost a bunch of games in a row.
3: Absolutely, but I just, I mean, Wolves are just dreadful without Raul Jimenez, and it is a scrap for it's every that. single goal they put in.
1: It's really a shame, too. I mean, yeah, it, 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 that really happens to Unlucky ended. for him, you yeah. know, and, and I hope that he. He was
3: back at the training facility today working. Uh, with a ball,
1: is he going to be able right. to play again, or what? What's they
3: are playing that by ear at the moment.
1: I, oh, I hope he is able to play again. Mm. I hope he's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful player, and and really so we can see. Talk about people important to teams mm-hmm. for a Um I'm going to take Manchester United over West Brom, um, just because I think West Brom is terrible. I'm sorry, West Brom fans, if there are any. Uh, and then I kind of had a toughie for the second one, but I am going to do. I am going to take Everton over Fulham. Um, I just think, I, I love Scott Parker, he's a Spurs boy, but I think uh, I think Everton are going to start getting a little run going here. Um, they also are coming off of Tottenham on Wednesday in the FA Cup. If they beat us, they're going to be feeling really good. Even if they don't beat us, they're going to want to so that's going to do it for this week's episode of Stoppage Time. It's really nice to be back in this room, um, even though it's different. And uh, we'll be here. We'll be back next week, hopefully, in our regular home. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stoppage Time. You can follow us on Instagram at Stoppage Time ninety one point one for news, updates, and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another great episode on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.